You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. Okay, next that we'll examine is a very important incident as well that requires our observation. And this question is, was the Prophet ever in his life affected by magic or witchcraft? Was he under any spell? Let's see, let's see what's in our sources. Uh, yes, yes brother? Never, yes, never. That's a good answer. We'll, we'll examine that. It's, it's not a very simple answer because we have many hadiths about that, um, primarily in Sunni sources, but also in, in Shia sources. So this requires an in-depth analysis of what exactly happened. So it has been claimed or reported that in the month of Muharram, year 6 or 7 of the Hijrah, some reports say 6, some reports say 7. The reports indicate that the Prophet was struck with a spell, suhira. He was affected by suhir, magic. A hadith by Aisha in Bukhari and Muslim states the following. These are the exact words attributed to Aisha in Bukhari and Muslim. She says, suhira, Rasulullah the Prophet was struck by a spell of magic she claims the Prophet was struck by a spell to the extent that he'd think he did something, but he didn't. He would hallucinate. Then she claims, One day he was with me. He kept supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah gave him the answer. So he tells her, Asha'arti ya Aisha, did you feel the answer that Allah has given me? Allah has given me the answer. And basically, the hadith states that Allah showed him how to break the spell. Remember, this is in Bukhari and Muslim. So basically, the Prophet goes to a bi'r, a well, water well, that was known as bi'r the arwan. This was the name of that well. And they found some strange items in that well, like a comb or the teeth of a comb. These are some items magicians would probably use. They found them in the well. So the Prophet commanded for this well to be buried. It should no longer be used to extract water. Bury it. Pour dirt in it until you bury it. You seal it. When the well was sealed, Allah cured the Prophet. From this spell. This is one version that we find in Bukhari and Muslim. We have so many other versions about this incident. Another version states two angels came to the Prophet. One hadith states he saw them in a dream. In any case, two angels came to him. They commanded him to extract the water from the well, empty the well from, a, from water, and take out a container and see. What is in that container? You'll be able to break the magic spell. Burn the container 
such that it opens up and then take out the items. So the Prophet sends Ammar ibn Yasir with a number of other men. They go to that well, they take out the container, they burn the container, and they, they find 11 knots in the container. Allah reveals Surah Al-Falaq. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ and also Surah Al-Nas. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْنَاسِ We call these two surahs what? Mu'awwadatayn. These two surahs were revealed. And when the Prophet was reciting these two surahs, with every verse that he would read, they would see one of those knots untie. One of those knots open. Once all of them were untied, the Prophet felt relieved. So this is a second version. A third version is one that is also narrated by Aisha. She says that the Prophet was struck by a spell such that, and I know this part is disturbing, but we have to know the biography of the Prophet so we can defend it. So these hadith state that he was struck such that he thought he had slept with his wife, but in fact he had not. This is mentioned in books that Muslims consider very holy. So this is a third version. Another version states that Jibra'il brought the Prophet a ring. He told him, wear this in your right hand. As long as you're wearing it, don't fear any magic spell. So this is how Allah saved him, through a ring. Mainly from Bukhari and Muslim, but no, many other sources. Books of Tafsir, for, inst for instance, they have also mentioned this. Now, who's the one who put the spell on the Prophet? Some hadith state it was a Jewish man. Labid or Lubayd ibn al-A'sam. One narration attributed to Zayd ibn Arqam, and this is another version, states that a Jewish man cast the spell on the Prophet. So Jibra'il, Jibra'il comes to the Prophet and he tells him that you've been struck by a spell. And that Jewish man has made knots to hurt you. Uqad. This was one method that magicians would use. So according to this hadith, the Prophet sends Imam Ali to take out those knots, to bring them. So Imam Ali brings those knots. The Prophet tells him where to locate them based on the instructions of Jibra'il. He brings those knots, the uqad, to the Prophet. And they start to untie the uqad. With every knot that they would untie, the Prophet would feel better and he would be relieved. He would be relieved. When all of the knots were untied, the Prophet felt maximum relief. But then other narrations claim two men from the Ansar, they cast the spell on the Prophet, not the Jewish man. And then there are some other narrations that indicate the Prophet became sick for months due to the spell. So it's not like a one or two day event. Some narrations state that this lasted for months. And when he was under that spell, the Prophet could not have any intimacy with his wives, with his family. One, in, one narration, one version states this lasted for a whole year. Imagine the Prophet being struck by a magic for an entire year. So this is what we have in our hadiths. And this is not one or two hadiths. If it was one or two hadiths, we could just easily dismiss it, right? There are many, many hadiths about this. So we really have to give our academic observation here. So here are observations. Number one, my dear brothers and sisters, whenever we find 
a hadith contradicting, opposing the Holy Quran, what do we do? We reject the hadith, we drop the hadith, even if it's in Bukhari, even if it's in our sources. Even if you bring me a hadith from our Shia sources that tells you the Prophet was under a spell such that he did not know what he was doing, this contradicts the Quran. Where does it clearly contradict the Quran? Any ideas? Okay, so the, the verses in Surah An-Najm that state everything the Prophet says is from Allah. But these narrations are claiming, they're not saying he said something false. He just started hallucinating, meaning he thought he did something, but he hadn't done it. So they have a way to avoid that, uh, contradicting that verse. There, there, there's another verse that these hadiths contradict. Any other ideas or suggestions? Yes, what is the, what is the verse? Notions, uh, this notion of uh, does not go against the infallibility of the Prophet. Infallibility of the Prophet. Okay, so where in the Quran can we prove the infallibility of the Prophet? How you can follow someone who can become mad? Yes, how can you follow someone who can be struck by magic? Yes, I'll get to that point in, in a few minutes. But there is a verse, there's two verses. One verse is in Surah Al-Furqan, verse 8. So Surah Al-Furqan, verse 8. What does Allah state in Surah Al-Furqan, verse 8? وَقَالَ الظَّالِمُونَ إِن تَتَّبِعُونَ إِلَّا رَجُلًا مَسْحُورًا The Quran says the ظَالِمُونَ, the oppressors, the unjust ones, they say you follow a man who's mashur, meaning the prophet, who's been struck by spell. So the Quran tells us that the zalimin are the ones who believe that or they accuse the prophet of that. How can I believe then that my Rasul has been struck by magic when the Quran says this is the accusation of the zalimin? Very clear. So all these hadiths, they contradict this verse in the Holy Quran. And whenever hadiths contradict a verse in the Holy Quran, we drop all of those hadiths. I don't care if it's in Bukhari, it's in Muslim, even if it's in our Shia sources. If it doesn't have a proper explanation, if it's accusing the Prophet of hallucinating and being struck by magic to that extent, I drop it. Yes. They could come back and say that the evil Quraysh, the pagans of Quraysh, when the Prophet would do miracles and show the power of the Qur'an, they wanted to disqualify him and say this is all magic. What he's doing is either magic or somebody put a spell on him and he's doing all of that. But it's not telling us that nobody can harm the Prophet and, and put him under a spell. Maybe they can respond like that, but, but that's not a, an appropriate answer. It directly violates the Qur'an. So if the oppressors are saying that he's under a spell, we cannot accept any of these hadiths. In fact, we even find another verse in the Holy Quran that tells us Fir'aun said the same thing to Musa. What did Fir'aun say? Musa, I think you're under a spell. So when you look at the spirit of the Quran, it's the zalimin who would accuse the prophets of being under a spell. 
And so if we have any hadiths that accuse the Prophet of being under a spell, we reject those hadiths because they violate these verses in the Holy Quran. Any question about this first observation? Do you see how clearly these hadiths oppose the Quran? That's the first observation. The second observation is basically what the brothers said right now. How can we trust the Prophet if he can be struck with a spell such that he thinks he did things that he did not, that he didn't actually do? Would you trust the Prophet like that anymore? This opens the door to doubting everything that he did. All his words, all his teachings. And this defies infallibility and Allah would not allow that to happen. Now some narrations by the way, they even claim the Prophet stopped doing anything because he could not decipher what he was doing. He didn't know what he was doing anymore. So he's like, let me stop doing any activity. Now, this opens a very dangerous door. What if the Prophet thought he prayed, so he, didn't, he doesn't pray, he skips prayer. Because these hadiths say he thought he did something and he didn't, right? What if the Prophet thought he did something and uh, in reality he didn't? So he thought he prayed, but he didn't. That means Rasulullah can skip prayer now. And then he can skip prayer uh, fast and he can skip fasting now. In fact, the Prophet can, can just murder somebody, right? Because he doesn't even know what he's doing anymore. What kind of Prophet is this now? What kind of religion is this now? This is absurd to believe that the Prophet thought he did something, but he didn't. That just opens the door to say that the Prophet didn't do any of those obligations for a whole year. He thought he did them, but he didn't do any of them. He thought he did wudu, but he didn't. He thought he, thought he did ghusl, but he didn't. He thought he prayed, but he didn't. Come on. How would you follow a leader like that? If you see a local leader, imam in your community who's like that, would you stand behind him and pray? Let alone taking your deen and your religion from him. So I don't understand how Muslims can really accept these hadiths. It's very absurd, very disturbing. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. That party would stand behind him. The third observation, as you've already noticed, the narrations are so contradictory, we can't even figure out what the story is. Like what exactly happened? We, we cannot trust these narrations when they're so contradictory. Some narrations state the items that were taken out of the well. Um, so, some narrations state that the Prophet said, take out the items. Some narrations said, no, the Prophet said, bury the well. Don't take out anything. So now you have a contradiction here. Some say that the one who cast the spell is Lubayd or Labid. Some say it was his sisters. Some say it was other men from the Ansar. Some say the spell lasted for 40 days. Some say six months. Some say a year. And then what healed the Prophet? Some say the ring that Jibra'il Prophet brought. Some say untying the knots. Some say Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas. So which is it? See? He got many um, spells on him and he had all these ways to, to be saved. So honestly, when you look at these hadiths, they're so contradictory. We don't even know who cast the spell, how it happened, how long did it last, how did the Prophet get out of it. They're so contradictory, you can't trust anything. If, a, if, so, if an incident happens, 10 people come and they give you 10 different stories. You're not going to take any action. You're like, you know what, I don't even know what happened. Something may have happened, but I don't know what happened. So I can't trust 
these reports. Number four, as you have already mentioned, these reports, yes. Yes, brother. There is a question here. There is a question here for a sister. Yes, it's saying, Salamu alaikum. Where is the verse in the Quran that speaks about the oppressors thinking um, he, Prophet Musa was under a spell? Prophet Musa? Yes, so if the question is about Prophet Musa, about Prophet Muhammad, we shared the reference. That's Surah Al Furqan, verse 8. Now, if you're referring to Musa saying that to Prophet, uh, Fir'aun saying that to Prophet Musa alayhi salam, this is the reference where Fir'aun says, So I will give you the reference that is verse 102 of Surah Al Isra. قَالَ لَقَدْ عَلِمْتَ مَا أَنزَلَ هَؤُلَاءَ إِلَّا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ بَصَائِرِ وَإِنِّي لَأَظُنُّكَ يَا فِرْعَوْنُ مَثْبُورًا No, not this one. Um, let me give you the exact. Okay. So this is uh, not verse 102, 101. Just the <laughs> verse before that. So Surah Al-Isra, verse 101. We have given Musa nine clear verses or signs. فَاسْأَلْ بَنِي إِسْرَائِيلِ Ask Bani Israel. إِذْ جَاءَهُمْ فَقَالَ لَهُ فِرْعَوْنَ Ask Bani Israel when Musa came, what did Fir'aun say to him? إِنِّي لَأَظُنُّكَ يَا مُوسَى مَسْحُورًا Musa, it seems that you've been struck by a spell. You are under the influence of magicians. So this is Surah Al-Isra, verse 101. So we find in our fourth observation, we find that these claims defy a number of verses in the Holy Quran. One, as the brother mentioned, وَمَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيٌ يُوحَىٰ Everything that the Prophet does and says is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we cannot accept that he will hallucinate or do things that he did not do. Another verse in the Holy Quran, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ Whatever the Prophet brings you, take. Even if you're struck by magic. What if he gives me commands, he does things, and he's under the influence of magic. Whatever he prohibits you, avoid. Also, this verse that states, You have the best example from the Prophet. So if the Prophet for a whole year, he's under a spell, not knowing what to do, how do I take him as an example? So we know that these narrations contradict also these verses from the Holy Quran. So now, my dear brothers and sisters, I have a very important question. When we have so many hadiths like that, primarily in Sunni sources, but also hadiths in our Shia sources, someone can say, look, maybe these versions that you talked about are problematic, we don't accept them. But when we have so many sources for this incident, you can't just dismiss it. Something happened, right? If 10 of your friends come and they tell you, look, we were in, in Dearborn on Ford Road and Schaefer, and then something happened. Each one gives you a different version. At the end of the day, you still know something happened there. Let's say the first one tells you there was an explosion and 100 people died. 
The second one says, no, there was a shooting and 50 people died. Let's say they give you different reports, but you're confident that what? Something happened, right? It's not possible all of them are just lying. There is something. There is an incident that happened. I don't know exactly what happened, but something must have happened. So what do we say about that? What's the more acceptable version of these events? We believe, based on these you know, hadiths, there was an attempt to harm the Prophet with magic. Definitely. Magicians existed then, just as they exist today. There are people who practice black magic, witchcraft. There was an attempt to hurt the Prophet. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected the Prophet from that. And Allah showed him where the place of the magic is in order to destroy it. And, here's an important point. It did not affect the Prophet's mental state. The magic could have a physical effect on the Prophet. But it did not have an effect on his mental state. He did not forget. He did not think he did things that he did not do. This is what most Shia scholars have said. And this is what most hadiths that we have in our sources indicate. There are maybe one or two hadiths that state the same thing as the Sunni sources where he thought he did something that he didn't. We, we completely reject those. Now, is it possible for magic to physically hurt the Prophet? To make him sick? Theoretically, is it possible or it's impossible? So mentally, we know it did not affect the Prophet. It did not affect his spiritual and mental state, for sure. But what about physically, such that he gets sick? Is that possible? That is possible, definitely. It's not impossible for magic to physically hurt the Prophet by making him sick. Because the Prophet does get physically sick. He can get physically hurt. But it doesn't affect his mental well-being. Is there evidence from the Qur'an that a Prophet could be hurt physically by shaitan? Yes. For instance, we see in the Holy Qur'an, in Surah Sa'd, verse 41, Allah speaks about the trial of Ayyub. What does the Qur'an state? وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا Ayyub. Remember our servant Ayyub. إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ He made a dua. He supplicated to Allah. What was his supplication? He says, Oh Allah, shaitan has struck me with adab, which is torment and punishment, and nusbin, which means fatigue, ta'ab, hardship and fatigue. So here you have a prophet who was struck by shaitan physically. Shaitan made Ayyub sick. And for seven years, he struggled with his illness. So it is possible for jinn, for shaitan, for magic to physically hurt a prophet. It's not theoretically impossible. And it does not defy the laws of infallibility because the prophet, even though he's sick, he still does the right thing. He still knows what's right and what's wrong. He still carries out his mission. I mean, prophets get sick all the time. And that's normal. So magic can be one of the sources of sickness. Just like an infection can be a source of sickness, a wound can be a source of sickness, magic can also be a source of sickness. Now you might ask, why would Allah allow shaitan to do that to the Prophet? If Allah is Arham al-Rahameen, He's the most merciful and He looks out after His Prophets, why would He allow that? 
It's a trial for that Prophet to elevate the status of that Prophet and to show the patience of the Prophet. Don't give up and lose hope. You have Rasulullah he was hurt, he got sick, but he stayed a mu'min, he stayed with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah eventually protected him. So Allah tries the Prophets, remember Prophets go through suffering. They have the most difficult type of suffering and, and this could be a part of it, yes. We have, we have verses in the Qur'an about why bad things happen to us. We have two types of verses in the Qur'an. Even before the hadith, some people have said there's a contradiction in the Qur'an. The Holy Qur'an in one verse states, every bad thing that happens to you, فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ It's what you've done. And then on the other hand, you have verses like, قُلْ لَيُصِيبَنَا إِلَّا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَنَا Everything that Allah has written happens to us. Yet another verse states, Kullun min indillah. The good things are from Allah and the bad things are from Allah. So, so, where, so is there a contradiction here? One verse says the bad things are from you. Another verse says no, everything's from Allah. The good and the bad. How do we reconcile that? Everything is based on the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah's plan is to give you free will and to try you. So Allah has allowed people to hurt each other. Why? To try them. That's the point of this test, of this trial. Now, every evil thing that happens, it's because of what you people do. Not you, the person who's suffering. But you who are suffering, right? Your cause of suffering is the injustice of someone else. So sometimes you yourself commit sins, as a result of your sins, you suffer. Sometimes you're sinless. You're wali min awliya Allah. You're one of the great patrons of Allah. But you still get hurt, you get killed, you get oppressed. Who caused the oppression? Not Allah. Who? Other people. Shayateen or ins. In fact, there is a verse that states every prophet Allah has uh, assigned enemies to every prophet. They are from jinn and uh, ins. Shayateen of ins and jinn. You have jinn, shaitan, and human shaitan. Right? Because Allah wants to try people. So He allows you to commit evil. Allah doesn't produce evil. He gives you free will and He says choose the good. If you don't choose the good, automatically that's evil. Rejecting the goodness of Allah is evil. So that's why all evil comes from us because we don't choose the path of Allah. But it does not mean that if you are suffering, it's because you committed a sin. That's not the case. It could be, but it, but it could not be the case. Many mu'mineen, many believers, they've not committed a sin, but they still go through trials. Because Allah wants to elevate them. And it is other people who have hurt them. So it's possible theoretically that the Prophet was physically hurt by the 
spell of magic, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him. So this is our final analysis. Something did happen, we don't deny that. Either there was an attempt to put a spell on him and nothing happened, that's one possibility. Or something happened physically only, not mentally. Physically the Prophet was hurt, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quickly saved him from that. 